Just a little love note to all of our loyal free cookie listeners and to anyone who might be new to the show. This is an ad-free podcast. And we want to keep it that way. We want to make sure that we can just give you guys the awesome content, the great interviews. and Without the stuff that you have to fast forward. But in order to do that, we need your support. So if you could join us over at patreon.com forward slash free cookies and become a patron of the show, there are many tiers that you can join. You can throw us a dollar, you can do five, and it turns out we're going to start putting some content up for those of you who are hardcore free cookie supporters. We're going to make this worth your while. So if there's some of you out there who just listen to the show, and you feel like, hey, you know what? I could, I could spend two, three bucks a month. Great. If you guys need a little something as incentive, we're going to put some videos up on Patreon that are going to be exclusive to those of you who are free cookie monsters. And I mean, we're talking some good content. Like I'm going to take you inside my sneaker closet, like that kind of content, you know? And I will contribute recipes and perhaps every now and then our dog will give you a soliloquy. So again, that is patreon.com forward slash free cookies. Thank you. Thanks. I'm Catherine Budig. And I'm Kate Fagan. And this is Free Cookies, a humorous podcast filled with thoughtful conversations and offering delicious takeaways. And today, and today, I was actually waiting for a third voice to chime in oh. for our intro. I didn't know if I was supposed to talk already because Sorry. we Tell have producer Lindsay Collins. Hi, everybody! <laughs> um, I'm so happy to be back. This is, I think, my second appearance on Free Cookies. I count them and I write them on my calendar. Do you a little heart diary? Wait, are you saying I think, or you know for sure because it's I know because I write highlights. them every day, yeah. every time it happens. <laughs> I write them in my diary. But we wanted Lindsay on the show today. Because she has created the funniest skit sketch. And we wanted to take you listeners behind the scenes of the how Zebra came to be. Oh my gosh. And for those of you listening, if you're wondering who Zebra is, what's happening, you can go onto our Free Cookies podcast Mm -hmm. Instagram page right now and we have the original skit up on our main page so you can pause us you can watch it it's like three minutes long mm-hmm. yeah. and i know in this day and age a three minute video might it's feel like really overwhelming i know <laughs> but trust me it is worth it and oh kate oh yes. no i was i was gonna jump in when you were done i wasn't gonna interrupt you i was no, just, no no go for it I, I i figured before we dive into the origin of zb we should tee up who will be on our main oh, guest yeah, on the call. show today yes we okay, so we are back on authors. We are talking with Jean Kyung Fraser, who is the author of Pizza Girl, which I I've gotta say has been one of my favorite reads of 2020 so far. It is just such a quirky little nugget of a book. And with the best cover I've it ever is, yep. maybe ever seen on any book. It is is gnarly the right thing to say? Yeah. Yeah, it's gnarly. gnarly. Okay, in, the, in, in a cool gnarly. way. Yeah. Like gnarly. gnarly in a good... Gnarly can mean like good, Like when you have right? cool shoes, those are gnarly shoes. It depends gnarly. how you say gnarly. If you're like, it's gnarly, then we all know it means good. If you're like, that was so gnarly, then... It can mean painful. Yeah. <laughs> but know, that's so not how we mean it. The so, reason that I use the terminology gnarly, and you'll understand when you see the cover of the book, it's this great fluorescent late 80s style vibe, um, kind of like surfery LA energy exuding off of the cover, which we'll talk about with Jean about the artwork. And Jean is an awesome guest because she's a former basketball player. Oh, that's right. So we scratch a lot of itches in this interview. Mm-hmm. 
It's like we're going back to our roots. We're yes. touching upon everything. Yes. And speaking of scratching itches, one of the itches that I like to scratch is like SNL, Saturday Night Live type humor. And a lot of you guys won't know, but Lindsay, our producer of F&B Radio, is a creator of skits and sketches. Thank you so much. Yes. I, that is so kind. And but, even yeah. just being in the same like conversation as SNL, like that makes me so happy. Even if you're the only person that ever puts me in that conversation. Right, right. <laughs> that makes me so happy because as a kid, that was literally my dream. And so um, I, I feel like a lot of kids our age, because Saturday Night Live was just such a party. And I just always wanted to do stuff like that. So that's very, very kind. And you guys were really sweet because you immediately, I sent you in early. Uh, we got the we early version. Yep. So you saw it before it aired and then, and you like loved it. And we were just texting back and forth and it made me so happy because, I mean, you know this about being a writer, doing anything creative. You're like, I like it, but how are other people going to Can react? you give a little elevator pitch to what the skit is about so listeners can, can you can whet their appetite? <laughs> W-H-E-T. <laughs> yes. And I'll splash them. Um, but they, <laughs> they, it, um, it's basically a guy gets um, an espresso maker by surprise. It's an accident. He ends up with this espresso maker that he takes into his home and it really sets his life on a... On a downward spiral, I would say. And, and by guy. <laughs> he's a zebra. Well, <laughs> he's a zebra. Well, the dramatic, re, uh, the dramatic reenactment yes. is we used a zebra puppet to do the dramatic reenactment because otherwise it would just be a sad story about, you know, a man's life un- unraveling. And right. so we wanted it to be uh, really silly. So it, it kind of starts out pretty dark and then it ends up, you just see the zebra puppet reenacting all the things that happened to this man after he started becoming addicted to espresso. Now, was the zebra choice a conscious choice or is that the only puppet you own? Um, that is the only <laughs> puppet I own. Mm. Well, no, there, actually there's a fox puppet. I, I have three kids. So there's a fox puppet and there's a zebra puppet, but the fox puppet didn't have the wild zebra mane. Yeah. And he didn't have the mouth that was so animated. It was one of those that's like, you know, when you take a paper bag and you just like, it can oh, flap, no. but it can't talk. Mm, mm. And you so can, he wouldn't have been able to pick up the espresso cups right. and down them dramatically and toss them to the ground. Right. <laughs> he was a much more primitive puppet. Yeah. So we needed that we needed that action that the Zebralin did. And from a serious comedic standpoint, which I'm not sure that I am an arbiter of serious I would say that you are comedy, but what takes the skit to the next level beyond just the visual of uh, an espresso consuming puppet was <laughs> The mirroring that the skit has to actual doc documentaries yeah. about like a addictions and reality shows about <laughs> yeah. interventions and which is serious business, but there's also a form to those totally to that medium, and there are like certain notes that those documentaries always hit, certain scenes you always see, and yep. what what takes the the zebra skit to the next level or. A, a, Espresso Road to Hell, or yes. um, good job, <laughs> thank you. Is the, is, is the similar notes you hit with the zebra puppet that are mirroring what we all recognize as the typical documentary of addiction, and that that to me is like what really makes it next level. Thank you so much. I mean, I think um, when I'm thinking about this whole sketch, like there, I spend a lot of time trying to think what would be funny. What would make people laugh? What's like, you know, smart comedy and not cheap comedy. And it's this puzzle that you're always kind of going around and around. Oh, I've seen that done before. This has been done before. And this particular sketch, my friends, I got to shout them out, Maureen Henry, they do a show called Rip City and now it's online. And so it's called Digirip. 
Um, yeah. And it's really fun, and it feels like an old school MTV, and they host in between. Um, but it's been a deadline for me, and that's something that I just like. I think all creative people need because if you don't, you'll just procrastinate. And so I had no idea what I was going to do. And then that deadline was that night and I just really didn't want to disappoint them. So I just went off the cuff and I didn't overthink it or try to think too much about it. And it ended up being I, some of my favorite. Were you, work. were you like, Oh my God, I have, I am creatively void. I'm yes. going to make an espresso and I'm going to stand dramatically over the espresso machine thinking about my lack of thoughts and then Bam! <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, where did that thought? Where did the thoughts come no, from? No, the espresso machine really did come to me the way that it is in the sketch. My cousin did get ditched at the altar, not for weird sex stuff. And if you're listening, Garrett, I don't think that's what it got <laughs> sent back for. But he did send back the espresso machine, and it came into my life. And I have been like really hitting it hard. <laughs> so I was already thinking about that, and I'm sitting there with my notepad, like exactly as you said, Catherine, like I'm, I have no ideas. My brain is empty. This is dumb. I have nothing. And then I saw this puppet cause he's what's teaching my six year old to read. Um, that's how we use the puppet in school. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, this is bad. This is going from bad to worse. And then I just went for it. I was like, just see it through. And I think that's, um, in my creative process, that's something that I have to remind myself all the time is like, even if you think it sucks, just see it through and make sure that it sucks because it might be awesome. And yeah. you know it's good be- when there's spinoffs, right? So there's already a spinoff <laughs> that you guys can follow up because trust me, you will be as addicted to a zebra on espresso to this skit. Because as he is to espresso in the skit. Exactly. Yes. So there is this local coffee shop called Sightsee Coffee them. that y- you should follow them. They're amazing. But there's a little skit that happens outside of their window that's amazing. I'm hoping by the time y'all are listening to this, there's a little skit that has happened in our kitchen. Oh my a little God. free cookie zebra skit. With ZB, uh, we, I was digging through the costume stash that Ashi <laughs> yes. the asshole has. And let me tell you, I've collected a lot. Oh, that is, that is the, the espresso, espresso machine. machine. It's wanting to weigh in on this yeah. conversation. It needs attention. Uh, uh, I but, wish the, co- I wish the outfits that Ashi had could be kind of put into the Patreon, maybe in some way. Because the, the people should see the fashion show that I got to see in my text message. <laughs> That's true. Stream. <laughs> I maybe. had to cut myself off. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's amazing. Well, one, one last thing. I, I think what has been, what's interesting thinking about comedy since, I mean, I'm sure you've done skits for a while, but I, we started paying attention to maybe you were actually making them like six months ago yeah. with the Perone one, mm-hmm. is how sometimes it's, like the ideas that at the front end you think are funniest end up having no engine to them. And then the ideas that you think at the front end are kind of quirky and maybe dull actually build steam in the middle. And like, that's what's most interesting about comedy when I pay attention to it. I'm like, I think that's going to be brilliant. And then you get 30 seconds in and you're like, oh, this is so one note and there's nowhere to go with this idea. hundred percent. You nailed it. And there was actually, what do you work at Second City? Because there is a quote from, I can't remember who the instructor is at Second City in Chicago, which is like the home of it's, improv and yeah, sketch and motherland. All, yeah, yeah, all things comedy. She said that she was like, oh, you got a cool, a funny idea. That's great. Now what? Like, and that's kind of yeah. the thing is like, have more fun in the situational aspect instead of like trying to just like, like crunch your brain cells together to think of something really funny. And Kate, I think you should try to write sketch comedy because you're a I, very funny person. Well, thank you. I really, I wrote a number of sketches in college cause I wanted to work for Saturday night live when I graduated from college. And I actually interned at Conan O'Brien What? because I wanted to write for Saturday night live. But during you the summer told me or the people that I know the, there's so much about me that you don't know mm, people, mystery. but, um, 
Saturday Night Live is obviously dark during the summer, and that was the only time I could intern because of basketball. And so, but Conan O'Brien wasn't dark, so I interned at Conan. Wow. And um, so I I I oh, I did. I wish I had the notebooks from my college years and the sketches I wrote. I don't have them. I don't have a ton of hopes that they were that amazing, but I did write, I did try to write sketches. So sometimes I think I want to do it again, but I also have been really um, opened my eyes to the challenges of like three minutes of comedy is like a lot of time (laughs) to fill. Well, I think you. I think you should should do. It. You should get well, back on you. that horse because I, I would love to see. <laughs> yes, until the oh. horse get on our zebra and go check out the skit on free cookies or on at F and B Radio. You guys are the best. And ask for more because we want more. <laughs> and if the people demand more, Lindsay's gonna have no choice but to make more. Mm-hmm. But to not know what to do, and because she won't know what to do, it will be funny. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Linz. Love you guys. Jean Keong Frazier lives in Los Angeles. Pizza Girl is her debut novel. And that's right. That is her bio. Tight and right. Let's bring her on. Hey, Jean. It's Catherine and Kate. Oh, my God. Hi. Hi. How are you guys doing? What's up? We're so excited to talk with you. I'm excited. Oh, my God. Yeah. Thank you for making the time. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Oh, Oh my God. God. (laughs) (laughs) But, Jean, uh, Pizza Girl... I I gobbled it up while I'm creative. Um, I, I seriously just ingested it. I'm going to keep okay, going. Stop. <laughs> you can you can do it all day. Yeah. Let, let, Kate, let, don't limit her. Don't right? limit her, Kate. I'm really on a roll right now. Oh, buttered. Oh. oh. Okay. Is there a question in there anywhere? Now I understand. Don't get crusty. Um, so I. <laughs> wow. God damn. This is good. This is good content. Um, your book is phenomenal, and it's. Oh, thank you. It, it, for so many reasons. And your, your book reminds me of like an amazing bottle of wine because for anyone who hasn't seen the cover of this book, it is one of the most spectacular freaking covers I've ever seen. It's got this great kind of like eighties, um, fluorescent color vibe. And I was reading an interview, maybe it was GQ. I can't remember where it was, but that (laughs) you were influenced by Roberta's from Brooklyn. Is that true? Yeah, I have a t-shirt from there. My friend got me one for my birthday and it's just stunning. It's so me. And when my editor was asking me book covers that she'd like, like I'd like my book to look like, I sent her a couple, but the t-shirt just seems so much more the right vibe. And she liked it so much. She found the artist of the t-shirt and he, he did the book cover. Oh, no way. That's so cool. Yeah. So you have He's like great. official name, Roberta. Tall boy. <sighs> yeah. I'm, yeah. His name's Tallboy, really talented artist. And is there, can people comb the internet to find a picture of you in said original t-shirt? Because I feel like that's really important content right there. You know what? I need to get on that. My social media game is weak. Maybe that's the next picture I take. Okay. I I highly, I will double tap that. Wow. And (laughs) what incentive? Your wife is right. (laughs) It's okay. We're merged. She thinks the same thing too. (laughs) But so, okay. So Pizza Girl, this cover, and actually let's stay on the topic of the cover for one more second, because I do think Please. there's something to be said about, you know, you write the words, which is the most important part, and you hope that you encapsulate all the feelings that you want onto paper, but then yeah. you have to trust with your publisher that they are going to evoke the energy of your book. So were there any iterations of covers that came before this per- 
perfect, perfect cover where you were like, oh, hell no, that's not even. Well, do you know what's wild? I mean, I, a lot of credit to my publisher, my editor, Lee, and my art director, Emily Mahone. She, this was the first try, basically. The only difference wow. were the colors were a little more bluish, greenish, purple on the first glo- uh, first go. Kind of like a Goosebumps vibe. Um, and I just, oh my God, Goosebumps. It, it still looks really cool. I'll send you the original cover. It's a tough call not to say yes to that. But I just suggested like maybe we go for more like sunsetty hue. And mm-hmm. I think it just fit the L.A. vibe. Totally. A lot better. No, yeah, I'm, I'm blessed cover was. Blessed. It, and it's true because the, the cover the cover game can be a rough one for a lot of authors. But we won't dwell on that because let's get to actually the, <laughs> the origin just of this story for you. I think Catherine and I probably both read a lot of the same media coverage that Pizza Girl mm. has um, found. And one of the things I read was that part of the origin story was you finding mm-hmm. some some emails in your inbox from 18 year old you can can you share that story Gosh. with our listeners about <laughs> that the inspiration there yeah of course i um in like true true young lesbian fashion <laughs> i had long long email exchanges with like the first love of my life and i didn't really think about them until like i revisited them when i was like 23 24 the girl i was dating at the time saw that my email inbox had like 50,000 unread emails and she was convinced I was a sociopath. And so I was like, okay, okay. I was like, I got to save this relationship. So I just spent one day deleting emails, deleting emails. And I got back to like 2010, 2011, 2009 era. And it just where there were like hundreds of emails I sent this girl. And it was like, definitely cringe, hard cringe, but there was also something like really lovely about them too. You know, this sort of like openness and, kind of just like willingness to love and be loved that I found really moving. And it just definitely made me want to give young me a big old hug and to tell her, you got a lot of feelings. It's going to be okay. (laughs) And yeah, it kind of gave gave me like, I had the idea for the pizza novel, but I was like, Oh, I think this is the voice. This is sort of like the mood I should be trying to capture. Uh, Now, do you keep a zero balance on your emails? I was going to say, any listeners think I'm organized now? It's it's all back. It's back to like 50k. It's not great anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I fucked up. You're like Kate. Kate's like that too. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I, I've got this thing in my head where so right now my email balance is at 142 on my um. Wow. Which isn't which is pretty low for me. But the thing that happens is to me 142 equals zero. Like I know <laughs> when I see 142 that yeah. I have, I have no new emails. And if I, I'm the same way. That's so funny. <laughs> and if I see 143, what my head thinks is, well, well what I think is, oh, I have a, I have a new email. And I think yes. that that's, I think it's fascinating mm-hmm. because I, I don't know, I actually don't know this about my wife. Are you a zero balance kind of girl? Yes. Be, uh, that little red bubble on your <laughs> email icon fills me with anxiety well, when know, I see it. And this has nothing there to do. There are two with, types, yeah. of, two yes. types of gals. You yes. have the zero balance or the 142. I go through and delete emails every single day because I like to see a single <laughs> digit number on that. Well, Interesting. this has nothing to do with your book or you, but this weird thing has happened <laughs> on my phone. She's where going down the rabbit hole. Watch out. My messages, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. My messages show me a two icon. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. is something wrong with the phone. Like I, I've, I've restarted my phone. Like I what? don't have two new text messages, but for but the last, but oh. for the last month, it, it always you. tells me that I have two. And now I know that two equals zero new text messages. 
And I could, I could see how Catherine would find that maddening because you can see it right there. Jean, you can't. This isn't great content for anyone <laughs> but me and Catherine. Um, so how I want to bring oh, it back. I'm, I'm going to bring it back to the book now. I was going to, too, but you got we'll, it. We'll talk after this. <laughs> okay, okay. So I, there was something when I finished your book and I started talking to Kate about mm-hmm. this. I was trying to capture my feelings that you evoked for me personally when I was reading it. And you did such a good job of bringing me back to my teenage years. And actually, maybe it's a a bigger swath than that, but I'm not going to embarrass myself too much and say teenage. (laughs) And just that memory of what it felt like to be utterly obsessed and fixated and that blend of it being the highest of highs and the lowest of lows and the deepest of pain and kind of like what you were describing with going through those old emails. And so, Hey, I just want to applaud you because I think going back and reading (laughs) those emails is so brave because I have old journals and stuff like that where I will not freaking touch them because I'm so embarrassed to read what I had once written. But so pour yourself something stiff and give it a try. Super right? stiff, ready for right? it. <laughs> yeah. But you took it and turned it into gold, and and yeah. I just want to know when you were thank writing you. the book. You're so welcome. Um, thank nope. you, actually. Um, when you were writing it, did you did you feel like you had to transport yourself back into that version of yourself, like would, in that whatever year or how long it took you to write the book? Was this yeah. a younger version of yourself that you were living in? Were you in a relationship and your relationship was like, whoa, why are we eating pizza with pickles every night? And hot cheese? You know, so what was the, what was that experience like? Yeah, I mean, I, I was not I was dating just around. It was a mess. I, um, I was living in New York. I was bartending. And it's funny. I look back on it. I wonder if it's because I know how everything turned out that I can put a really romantic glow on it. But I think in some ways it was like the happiest summer of my life just bartending every night and then waking up in the mornings to write my book. And I don't know, just that whole grind that I kind of did just, I feel like really lose myself in a character and go back and think about that experience, you know, like be like sort of, it was difficult in the way of like revisiting that emotional space, you know, like I by no means was pregnant or obsessed with a woman twice my age. Um, but it is not fun being that age either, especially in the early 2010s, I thought. Absolutely. No, you, yeah. you, um, I've read that you said that you quote unquote, you'd been thinking of doing a pizza delivery novel. This is before mm-hmm. you found the, um, the, the lost emails from, from 18 year old right. you. And I yeah. know that you, you, you have delivered pizzas, but what was it about delivering pizzas that struck you as fertile ground for storytelling? It's gosh, I mean, what is what is more literary than imagining the lives of other people? Mm. Like what is more cinematic than the opening of a door and uh, getting a quick snapshot into someone's life? Like it's a little voyeuristic and you, we can't help it. You know what I mean? You like see people in your brain has thoughts, you know? <laughs> even if you'd wish sometimes it didn't. We're forming judgments constantly. So it just seemed like, uh, you know, my own pun, a great vehicle to tell a story. Yeah, I was wondering about that because I, I I was like, oh, maybe this is a literary device that she's using. But then I found out you actually did indeed deliver pizzas. Yeah. And but, you well, know, there's something so American about pizza, too, because I was like, oh, could yeah. it be, I was like considered as like, could it be a different sort of thing that she's delivering? And I'm like, for sure. But the pizza is just so perfect. Mm-hmm. But I never thought about pizza delivery in the way that you you offered it. One as the pizza girl is the character where mm-hmm. she gets these 
you know, little Polaroid snapshots into people's lives and the, these right. big stories that she weaves about like, these are happy people. And then, mm. you know, we find out later in the book that maybe some of them are not even remotely happy, but yeah. also from the flip side of the people ordering the pizza. And mm -hmm. I mean, we are those people. We order a lot of pizza, but <laughs> I never thought about the person who orders the pizza as someone who's looking for human connection or looking for mm. a connection to the outside world who may not have it and then the relationship that you built that's within it and there's right. just such this interesting concept around the judgments that we create around people that we don't know the lives that we mm -hmm. vicariously want to live that don't even exist but we paint that on someone who looks the part or has the long ponytail right yeah, yeah. and I, I when you wrote this book and maybe you didn't have an end goal but what what did you or what do you want readers to feel when they're reading this story? It's a great question. I mean, I think that's what's been the greatest joy. And like, it reminds it like the thing that reminds me of like why I like being a writer, like people will take a lot of different things from this story. You know, like, like you just said, I love hearing that this made you think back to your own messy youth, <laughs> yeah. you know, like that, that makes me as a former messy youth, really happy to hear, you know, also though, it's like, there are some people that read it and they might not have like had like a similar kind of like up and down experience, but maybe it can like open their eyes to sort of like what it means when we call someone troubled. Mm -hmm. Basically it's like exterior versus interior, you know, like a big theme of the book is basically sort of like the fiery kind of like liveliness of her interiority kind of like contrasted against sort of like the monotone, uh, dryness of her exterior like she has very little exterior dialogue and it's never it doesn't never really talks you know because she doesn't really feel comfortable expressing herself to the people in her lives except uh falsely jenny and yet the internal language is so colorful i, I mean yeah. i my book actually can we let's play a little game shall yeah, we go for it because <laughs> <laughs> so i also I, I have your book in front of me and it's all marked up and um, oh, I love that. I, I read in another one of your interviews where you called yourself a line girl when it comes to writing. <laughs> like yeah. you, and I love that. I love learning this about writers where you get this yeah. awesome concept and write it down and you have the lines. And, and so mm -hmm. the, the first line of the book, that was, was that the inspiration for the entire book? Because that line came to you? Yeah. Yeah. And actually it's so funny because it's like, that's why it's the question is sometimes hard when people are like, how long were you working on this project? When did it start for you? It's like, I had the idea when I was 22. I had the line maybe like six months later. Didn't start writing until I was 24, though. You know, because mm. it's like it yeah. took me a little bit of time to grow up, I think, and to really understand like what I wanted to cover in this story. Um, but it is cool that the first line remained the same. Like it's just that sort of like Poppy, her name was Jenny Hauser, and every Wednesday I put pickles on her pizza. You know, like the mystery of it, the sexiness of it, mm -hmm. the funniness it of it in some ways, too. Yeah, it is a little sexy, right? And you, you got to really love pizza and pickles to find that sexy, but I like it. But, <laughs> oh, but Catherine does. <laughs> very sexy. That is my, that's my sex language, whatever that means. Um, so I wanted to read a couple of my favorite lines from the book and, and just hear if you remember writing them. This is okay, we, when fun. we talk to authors, yeah. it's always like, did you just you know, drop the mic when you wrote that line and you're like, God you damn it, I'm good. good. <laughs> I am so good. Um, my favorite line in the book, hands down, was <laughs> I actually attempted a healthy lunch, but my mouth got bored. 
I like I am like I feel like you and I have a lot in common. Um but just the fact that you captured and Kate can back me up because if we ever Kate's totally cool with skipping dinner on a regular basis, but I my my world will crumble. I'm not no, that's, that's a rough one for me. Hyperbolic about this at all. Crumble if I don't get to eat dinner. Oh, she freaks out, Jane. She Or if we have a small like if we're like let's do this, Catherine just goes to a very dark place. I don't want bullshit food. Ooh. I want like flavorful, anyway. exciting. So anyway, that line really Yeah, tell us about the origin of that line. Yes. Yeah, that's that's a dialogue line, is that right? Yeah, that's Jane yes, yeah. says that. Mm, yeah, I mean, yes. you really have to um play that over in your head again and again. And I was just sort of thinking of like with this sort of zany momish age person and what she would say. And it just seemed like so fitting with her character and everything. So I do remember writing that one and I'm glad it spoke to you. I, I am, I am very similar to yes. that one. I need, I need dinner. Oh, okay. The next line, if you remember, I'm excited. Now I'm hoping I'm, I picked all the ones that you remember this yeah. one. I really love. She smiled and I wanted to bottle it up, pour it over my morning cereal. Mm, that's a good one. Mm. That's so yeah. visceral. And so I, and because, I mean, I'm also, are you, do you drink the milk from the bottom of the cereal bowl or are you like, Ooh, that's oh, I gross. do. Okay. Me too. I do. Which it is why like I think I'm related food, to that. Food vibes. Yeah. Food vibes. I think it's disgusting. <laughs> just if you want to know my take, I think it's warm and nasty and I would think, types she, of folks. I also think sharing cereal is hideously awful. Like, no, you don't take a bite of someone else's cereal. Any dairy product sharing to me shouldn't be done. It's gross. So specifically dairy product sharing bothers you. You wouldn't like be upset over a different kind of like uh, no. dry food sharing. Okay. Right. Well, if it were a bowl of soup, I'd be totally fine with it. Um, like hot soup or something. But if it's like but cereal if- and it's getting kind of that room temperature milk thing and someone wants a bite of it and they're like, their mouth is dripping mm-hmm. the milk back into it. It's just, gee. Oh my God. The, anyway, continue on your line thing, Catherine. I'm sorry. She's, she's <laughs> getting all fidgety. Okay. This actually might be one of my favorite. Okay. So obviously amazing writers are the ones that are capable of making those little beautiful observations about mm. The, the most basic things that people would overlook. And I feel like you just really hit it out of the park here. Um, oh, thank you. This is uh, when Pizza Girl says, okay, quote, see you soon. No day attached to it. Because why? She was part of my life now. I was part of hers. When you were a part of someone's life, you saw them. You didn't have to say a day of the week. Mm. You knew you'd see them soon. It was a beautiful world. Word. Well, I fucked it up at the end. Word. <laughs> <laughs> Take two. <laughs> but, but that, and it's again, so I'm like, you brought me back into that feeling, you know, that Twitter pated feeling where mm. you have that connection moment with someone where you're like, oh my God, they want to see me soon. And it just, <laughs> do, do you remember writing that little graph? I do. That one specifically, I feel like was like a young line. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when you're kind of like dissecting everything, you're sort of like object of obsession is saying you know, and make like making it to mean like something big. Um, even though if there is some like lovely truth there too, it's a little bit of both. Is there, I know this is tough because then you, it's almost like you have to pretend that you have an ego now, but is there a line in it, maybe a metaphor or something in the book that you love that you wrote? <laughs> no, I, um, it's, it's funny. I think you can be proud of like the stuff you wrote in a non douchey way, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, no, I remember towards the end. I don't know, remember what the line was exactly, but I just remember it because it specifically took me like half the day. And that was kind of annoying. But I was also I was like, you know what? I really like this sentiment. It's basically about like, you know, her wondering if Jenny misses her the way she misses her, you know, like mm-hmm. a missing without electricity, you know, a missing that's a little bit more like mourning, you know, like mourning something lost. It was like a hand digging into an empty chip bag because it was just mm-hmm. so hard. I was trying to think of like what the thing would be. And then when I got the chip bag thing, like I was actually eating a bag of chips and I was like finishing it up and I was like, <laughs> oh my God, this is it. I was like getting to the end of it. And I was like, you know, when you're picking up the crumbs and there was just something sad about that moment too. And it ended up working out really well. And I do like that line. I, I distinctly remember that line, actually. What? Um, okay, can I, I? I wanted to just backtrack for a second. Yeah, um, yeah please. So, I, I've talked to, uh, with my best friend about this anxiety that I feel when we order. She's not delivery. talking about me, by the way. There are no. other people in her life. <laughs> I call her my wife sometimes and my best friend other times. No. Um, but so I, I was at my best friend's house and we ordered delivery, but it wasn't a, a direct pizza delivery. Of course, this was like mm-hmm. Grubhub where you can follow the little car approaching. Right. And I, I acknowledged to her the level of anxiety I feel over this interaction where it's like pending and I see it coming toward me and then I know there's going mm-hmm. to be this trade off of food. But then also it, it can feel very uh, loaded because it's mm. somebody doing me a service. And so it's like, am I appearing properly respectful? Like all these things that play out and I don't right. want to treat them rudely. And so I, I was wondering if from the point of view of someone who has been the deliverer, which I haven't mm-hmm. been, do, <laughs> did you have anxiety over making deliveries or did you feel, or, or were they s- super easy and smooth in your mind? It depends. You know, it's so funny. There's so many aspects. It's a great question, by the way, that like make you feel at ease or unease when you're delivering. I was talking to someone and I didn't even really actively think about this. Uh, pizza delivery or delivery in general is like one of the most dangerous jobs you can have. Yeah. <laughs> like, which is like, I was like, oh, I was truly too stoned to notice most of the time. <laughs> but, you know, probably not a great thing. But mm-hmm. I remember motels always made me feel a little weird when I was called yes. to like places like that at night. Like the night shift in general can be a little anxiety inducing. Um, but it is mostly, I've always found it really more often than not, people are a little bit more like you. It's like they want to be courteous and they want to be kind, you yeah. know. Yeah. I don't know. It's always really just interesting to sort of like peek back and see what's going on in their house a little bit or like the vibe of them. That being said, there's total assholes sometimes too. There's yeah. the unintentional asshole. This one old lady earnestly tipped me a nickel and <laughs> it was, I didn't even know what to say, but I was like, you know what? It's fine. Was that like her special lucky nickel maybe? <laughs> yeah. No, well, I don't think she was being like a dick, but she was just like, you really earned this. And she was just right. nickel. And I was like, uh, thank you. Thank so you. I didn't know what to say. That is tricky. Cause you can't be like, you can't be rude. Cause what if, what no. if, what if in her mind, it's still like the great depression or something. And that is a lot yes. of money. You don't know. No. True. Yeah. You don't know. I mean, maybe she's from Europe. There's not a lot of tipping going on. Right. Over there. Right. Yep. Maybe it's a curse. So 0.02% yeah. of yeah. the bill is mm-hmm. a lot for them over there. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and another part of the, okay, actually this question first, what genre is your book? Would you say? Oh yeah. I mean, that's a tough question. I think sort of like, I mean, a lot of what I think was thinking when I was writing this was just sort of like 
natural ways that I could be subversive. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think in one of those ways is sort of classifying it genre wise, you know, it's like the snooty inflated part of myself wants to be like, it's literary fiction. I, uh, worked hard. I am a smart person with a capital S it's literary (laughs) fiction, you know, but I don't even know what that means honestly at this point anymore too. Or it's like, I also think if people who read young adult could really like this, I think, you know, your mother could read this. Uh, I don't know. Well, I do. Is there something you thought genre wise it worked in? Well, the reason I asked that, because I don't think I'd be able to pin it down because I think in many ways it it is subversive and it's, and it's often, you know, like it's funny and playful and lighthearted. And yet, because my next question was the topic of grief and the relationship with her father, her alcoholic father who has passed and, That is not a light topic at all. And I just think you clearly put so much care into that relationship and and what it's like to grieve, especially a family member, someone who you're Mm -hmm. expected to love. Right. Because it's your blood. So there's this pressure of how do you honor your family, Mm -hmm. but then pull away the person who isn't, you know, the father, but like the person who's hurt you. And, and I was just wondering, you know, you you hit this topic of like, what's the right way to grieve? And, and Mm -hmm. Kate and I have both been through that personally in our lives with grieving and Mm -hmm. family members. And, and we struggle with like, what is, what's performative grief? What's real grief? You know, what am I going to regret? And I just wanted to know if that was, um, where those feelings came from for you. And, and, and thank you for writing that part of the book. Oh, Kate wants to say something. Oh, no, I didn't. Oh, okay. Oh, no, you guys are very welcome. I mean, thank you for sharing that with me and everything, too. I mean, yeah, it's it's like, you know, like you said, genre-wise, it's like there is funny and lightness there, too. But overall, it's like this is a lot of serious things happen in this book. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to give them respect and the space that they deserve. And gosh, grief, it, there's, it's a wonder that there's so many books on it. It's complicated and we don't have firm answers to it. You know, and I think that was another major theme of the book and sort of like the ending of it, the epilogue, which is kind of like an anti-epilogue. It's like, it's hard to give it a neat wrapped up ending because, Mm -hmm. you know, she's still living with it. She's still going to be a mother soon. And she still is not over the loss of her father and doesn't know how she feels about it and herself. And I, that's something, I don't know. I think that may be a lifelong journey for her. Um, So, so we may, you and I, Jean, may not have in common the the drinking the milk in the cereal bowl. But <laughs> one thing I one thing I read that I that struck me as very mm. much me is um, mm. this thing that you that you said that like the three things I don't know if it's the three things you pursue in a day or that you you hope to kind of achieve, but it was like be productive, write yeah. something meaningful, and then be at peace. Mm. And I feel, and Catherine can probably back this up that like. Every day I'm trying to like do those things where being at peace is usually the result of writing something meaningful, right? Or being productive. And it's, it's very hard for me to feel at peace if I haven't been doing the other two, it's like they all fuel each other. So is that, so how do, how do those three things commingle in like your day to day and the way you feel about who you are? Gosh, gosh, that's a great question. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that that spoke to you and everything. I don't know. I feel like I'm still figuring out 
how to do all that. I think that's in some ways what the depression of writing, of getting a first novel published is, is that you do it and it's awesome, but you're also, you're like, whoa, I still have so much to learn. I still like have a lot of ground to cover both in my career and like about myself and everything. And I think it's like about being a little bit kinder to myself when I think about what it means to be productive, Mm -hmm. especially during this time where we're, you know, the world has changed and how we exist in it. Like we're still getting used to that. And it's okay to kind of have a day where you're not getting like checking everything off your list. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like kind of that thing of like trying to maybe not let those two things fuel the at peace thing so much, you know, and focusing more at like healthy ways to be at peace. I don't know. Do you have good answers to that? How do you how do you try to make all three happen? Um, We're very different in that way. I mean, Kate's very much like once until the sun goes down, Kate will be the most hydrated most time efficient, productive human you've ever met. And then the sun goes down and she's like, bam, sweatpants, you know, I'm ready for no more water, no more drink. Give me my, my Netflix and like nothing matters. But so I haven't figured out and I don't know, maybe I just need to do more quote unquote work. Right. I don't know what work means. You know, the same things people think about talking to therapists, meditating. I don't know, but Mm. I also am not sure that I'm convinced that it's a quote unquote bad thing to want to do the thing you love doing. For me, it's writing in order to feel a sense of purpose in the world. Like I I don't know that I, that I think that I should get to a point where like, if I never wrote again, I'd still be at peace with myself. I mean, that sounds like a wonderful goal, but I also think that you should want to have purpose and be doing the thing that you're good at and contributing it to the world. Like there's a reason that we feel that way. So I I obviously want to get to a place where it's like, if I don't write, I'm not just a cranky asshole. And then I don't (laughs) think that I don't deserve the space, my space in the world. Like uh, that's extreme, but I still, but I don't want to be at peace and just kind of float around and not do my thing. So yeah, it's like, it's like knowing yourself and knowing like what sort of like, the healthy way to be yourself is because like I'm the same way it's like I'm beyond pretending like I've said it in the past where I'm like I think I could be happy if I wasn't a writer that's just frankly not true Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and it'll never not be true I mean that doesn't mean it's like let's say it's like 10 years before I get another book published that doesn't mean I'm not a writer during that time Mm -hmm. you know and I think that's something that I had to realize like sort of like the finishing things getting things published whatever it is that's like a part of it but being a writer is a lot, there's a lot more to it. You know, it's being observant. It's being Mm -hmm. present in the world. You know, it's being present to the people in your life. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that it's important for people to understand the difference between um, embracing your creativity and then the yeah. attachment to the product from the creativity. Mm. And that's a much more eloquent way. Oh. <laughs> well, I've, I've had like a couple minutes to sit here while you guys were talking and formulate <laughs> that thought. So to be fair, um, oh, on, a, on a different note, if I can fangirl for a sec, um, what made Maddie run is, is beautiful and that it, it's an incredible book and you should be really proud of that. Oh, thanks Jean. Um, yeah, that story, I mean, just wrecked me at, God, what is that five years ago now? Yeah. Yep. Jeez. Yeah. Um, it happened when I was in college and I mean, I, I was an athlete and I still love sports and I just, 
that was a tough one. And I really thought your essay and everything and then the book after was a good sort of like conversation starter for stuff that we should have been talking about a long time ago, yeah. like mental health mm-hmm. in sports and specifically like mental health for young millennials. Yep. Absolutely. Too. Like, I mean, it's honestly, I, I feel it very, feels very tied to my book and like my book's a lot about millennial burnout, Yep. you know, in comparison to our peers. So sp- sticking with the, the sports theme here, I, yeah. I read that you either have at times worked on or are now back to working on a novel yeah. about basketball. Yeah. Can you tell us? You were a ball th- player. Yeah, I, pl- I played in college. And did yeah. you did you play in high school? I was a point college? guard in elementary school and middle, middle school. school. Okay, guys. <laughs> Catherine's like, don't erase me. I'm here. <laughs> uh, you did you did you play in high school and and college? I played in high school. I <laughs> was a little too wild to commit to the team in college, but I played club in college. And I got I sports saved my life, and I, it's given me such a great community. And I still am so close with like so many teammates. Mm-hmm. And that's the fun thing about it. I wouldn't have met these people if I didn't play sports. Yeah. Like our social circles did not touch in any ways. And that's God. That's so sad. I wouldn't have met them. But when yeah. you say wild, you mean wild off the court. You were too yeah. wild off the court. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I think I was also, again, I was really experiencing that like burnout feeling. I was like, Oh my God, I've yeah. been working so hard for so long. I just don't want to have ambition anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I hear that completely. Sorry. This yeah. might be a bit of a stretch, but I'm going to go for it because this is a conversation yeah. that Kate and I were having today. So, Please. um, we were talking about the WNBA and, mm. and, and, Kate played basketball for a long time, but Kate, who has short hair for people who don't know what she looks like, when she was playing basketball, she still had a ponytail. Because I would never have had short hair playing <laughs> basketball because I wanted everybody to know I wasn't a lesbian. Okay. <laughs> well, and, and, and this is what's so interesting to me is you know I'm I'm really paying attention now to all the players, and I'm like, wow, I you know I, I've thought about what if Kate played professional basketball now, and when I look at my wife, I'm like, you don't fit the aesthetic bill of what I see in the WNBA because the Mm. women aren't wearing their hair short. You see a lot of swinging ponytails still, which reminded me of Jenny in your book with, Mm -hmm. you know, this, how pizza girl like really fixated on this glorious ponytail of hers. And when she cut it, she was devastated. And, Mm. and I'm guessing in your book, it was more of a representation of like clinging onto your youth. But when I I think of it, were there basketball undertones there? (laughs) Well, I don't know. Cause I'm thinking of it from a queer perspective too. And well, there was that too, for sure. Like sort of like the fixation we have on like long hair, femininity, Mm -hmm. you know, which is weird. And Uh, why do those two have to be so linked? Oh my God. Yeah. I feel like that's been just so much of like, kind of like my growth of the past, like five years of my life and everything. And again, what allowed me to be more comfortable to write pizza girl um because I was like deeply closeted for um all of high school and even like into college and stuff where it's like I was dating women but I'm like a very private person and I didn't want it to be something that you know I was talking about openly um I even like when I had a girlfriend openly um in my first year of grad school we were dating long distance and I, oh, I remember this specifically we were at a bar and a friend of mine I just mentioned offhandedly oh my girlfriend and she goes oh I didn't I didn't know you were gay and I was like oh thank you and I hated that that was my <laughs> you know what I mean that was like my instinctual natural like I didn't right. even think about it. that was my response yeah and I've done a good job so... I've passed <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah and it's like it's so shitty that that is how I felt like that internalized homophobia that I think mm-hmm. I'm still getting over in a lot of ways 
yeah. you know, and it's that we all yeah, still struggle I, with. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, you know? we've somehow avoided my question about wanting to know about your basketball oh, novel. right. We cannot, we need to go back to <laughs> that for sure. Can you give us, you're allowed to share anything. Where is this still a project that's in work? So like, what's happening? <laughs> yeah. It's like, I need it. Yeah. No, I really, God, it's, this is the project I want to do so, so badly. And I think it's like, I feel so careful with it because it's like basketball was such a huge part of my life. And I feel so tenderly about the sport and the teammates I've had. And because like in literary fiction, there's just not a lot of sports, mm -hmm. yeah. you know? And that's like, I, I hate the highbrow, lowbrow shit that we got mm. going on and the way that sports are viewed as like less than in some ways, um, in some circles, which is so funny. Um, that being said, there's a lot of toxic shit that goes on in sports. Yeah. Um, and I definitely want to explore that too, but yeah, I mean, I'm still working on it. The initial idea was it for it to be about, um, a high school team. And I think that's sort of what stalled it. It's like, I just wrote this book about high school age people and I feel like I need a new angle on it. So it's definitely still going to be a project. It might even still be high school, but we will see. Yeah. I think, um, Catherine and I were talking last week about how I I've, I've long wanted to write something that mm -hmm. encapsulates how I felt growing up loving basketball. Yeah. Because yeah. I felt like all I had that reflected that was the Matt Christopher books, which were... I love the Matt Christopher yeah. books. Oh, my God. Yeah. They, they were... Yeah. But, of course, they were, like, by a, a white guy for white yeah. boys. Right. I mean, right. that's what I think they were for. I don't know. I gobbled <laughs> yeah. them up. And then yeah. it wasn't until probably I was about 25 where I was, like... I mean, people have, you know, it's like Alex Morgan of the U.S. Women's National Team has like co-written mm -hmm. some like kids books. So it's it's I'm not the yeah. first person to point out the gap in the right on the shelf for this kind of book. But I still think that there's right. like if you follow Jason Reynolds, who's a, mm -hmm. a young adult writer and, and he's done some really very well done literary kind of, of stories about like a, a, a young track athlete or a young basketball mm -hmm. athlete. There's still right. nothing like that for young women who might see themselves no. in it. No. And so there, there's definitely that gap on the shelf. Totally. And so when I read that you were, you know, basketball novel, I think you, it also said like about virginity. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I like you guys. I'll give you the fuller pitch. It's basically the, I, the idea was this group of high school girls that think they're winning because they're all virgins. And so they like make a pact <laughs> to stay virgins until they win a state title. Uh, and so I know I, I think I, I hope I can pull it off. I, that's the thing. It's such a big project too, where I'm like, man, cause I'd be talking about sexuality. I'd be talking about basketball. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd be talking about the Midwest things I hold very near and dear to my heart. And so. honestly, the definition of sex, because you got to have one yeah. of those girls. Exactly. I mean, yes. she's going to be hooking up with a woman and be like, there was no penis entry. Right? So <laughs> you're, you're still virgin, right? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, that, yeah, you're speaking the thoughts of 17-year-old me. Yes. Exactly. Um, on that note, um, yeah. vaginas being everywhere. Whenever um, we talk about <laughs> penal entry, we end the show, okay? <laughs> That's like the fat lady singing on our show. Uh, um, okay, well, uh, before, we're, you're not really done. Yeah. So we always like to end with a few fun <laughs> author questions, but now that we have this basketball bond, I feel like we need to start with a few basketball yeah, questions. Yeah, let's do it. So, so yeah. Jean, can I yeah. ask the first one? Oh, oh go, 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 go. Come on, come on. No, give no, me, give no, me. no, no, right. wifey, wifey, go. Okay. So if you had to choose Sue Ooh. Bird, Diana oh, Tarazi, let's just do two Sue Bird or Diana Tarazi. Or Maya Moore, add Maya Moore in there. 
Oh, that doesn't make it easier. God. Wait, wait but what is she I choosing? Love- Just to be I, on the team with them? I don't them. have to give their... Okay. There doesn't need to be context. <laughs> okay. This is the fast round, okay? Just for everything. Just for everything. <laughs> All-encompassing. Man, that is a tough I know. question. I didn't pick easy ones at all. Oh, my God. I might have to go with my gal, Maya Moore. She's mm. been killing it this year. I mean, and just on and off the court. I, I love her. God, Sue Bird. But she has Megan Rapino. I can't even compete with that. So I would nobody can compete more. with that. It's <laughs> insane. <laughs> that was like power couple plugged into. I know. A million you well, watt. You, guys, you guys power couple interviewed them. I, we that did. Was a delightful video. We, did. we have been in proximity to the brightness. <laughs> but that was pre um, pre second World Cup win. So it was like the wattage Ooh. was a little bit lower at that time, which right. is why right. we were able to be near them. That, that um, was pre Rapinko. That was just yes, yes. Uh, Rapino yeah. turns Rapinko. Okay, so wait, wait, wait. so now oh, I can oh, ask okay. one. All right. Growing up, who was your favorite player? Kevin Garnett. I thought that guy and Tim Duncan. It was a tie between those two. I even give Tim Duncan a shout out in Pizza Girl. What, um, why big men? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I'm glad you noticed that. Well, it's a position I ended up playing. I'm like five ten, and in high school mm, oh, that okay. was tall. That was tall. But um, no, I just there were two very different types of the same position where oh, Kevin God, Garnett has yeah. a lot of bravado, you know, and chatty and kind of in your face and a little dirty. And Tim Duncan is. Mr. Zen, Mr. Mm-hmm. Fundamental. And I feel like I just had a, bo- a little bit of both of them in me, you know. <laughs> but which one would you, you know, ha- w- w- at the end of the day, who are you going with between those two? I got I got to go Tim Duncan, ultimately. Oh. Even though I, I really like Kevin Garnett as a player, I, I want to be a little bit more Tim Duncan. I want to be calm and I want to just let my work speak for me, yes. you know. Okay. okay, fair enough. Yeah. I turn it back yeah. over to you, Catherine. Okay, college ball <laughs> or pro? In terms of Ooh. watching? No context. Stop no context. The context, no woman. context. <laughs> I like pro. I like pro. There we go. Okay. Yeah. Me too. Me too. All right. Jordans, Concords, mm. or Space Jams? Oh, uh, Jordans. Wait, no, but but I but, lo- but Concords and Space Jams are the are this are the the same. You're not making this fun for me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but I'm just saying. Okay. Okay. But the, but the Jordan. I'm a sneakerhead, Jean. The Jordan Concord mm. Space Jam is the same sneaker. It's all one sneaker. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> wow. See, I didn't know that. You guys are more sneakerheads than me. I thought we were speaking brands. I was like, well, I don't know this other. I don't know this Concord. Like oh yeah. See, that was risky. Okay. <laughs> So let's at least get one book question in here because we like to only went full basketball. Um, what Never book, a bad thing. What is the last book you read? The last book I read, I, God, this is, there's always that funny question where my mind goes immediately blank. Mm-hmm. I read this really great one recently though, Sad Janet by it's, Lucy Bridge. Hmm. You should look up the cover. It's this little greyhound in a turtleneck that looks very sad. Oh it's, my it's God. a really great book. <laughs> It's a great it's book. So I really sad. enjoyed it. It's just I, I like sort of like the moody young female protagonist, as you can tell. So it was totally up my alley. Do I really you do you have a book that's coming out this year that you're super fired up about? Anything? I know that's like a pressure question when the mind goes oh, blank no. too. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, one of my favorite writers, Brian Washington. He had that great story collection lot. I don't know if you read that. Mm-hmm. It was really yep. good. Um, he has his first novel coming out, Memorial. And mm. I've only heard lovely things about it. It's like, basically, it sounds like just like 
a feel good, but also moving gay romance. And we could always okay. use a little bit more of that. We yeah. always need more of that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Final question. And I'm going to expand this because we actually had Please. some listeners bring up a very valid point. This is where we normally <laughs> ask you the most important question, which would be mm. chocolate chip cookie or oatmeal raisin. Ooh. But one of our listeners pointed out, we used to ask just oh. what your favorite cookie is. And the mm. listeners like, look, like we like to hear about different cookies. And now we've just like isolated <laughs> it down to our two favorites. And it's very divisive, as you can imagine. So I was going to say, I got like a, you <laughs> yes. heard me go, oh. Yeah. So you can say, you can pick between those two, but also what's your favorite cookie? Like, you know, period. Well, between those two, obviously chocolate chip. I'm very interested which of you likes the other one. But I Gee, love fuck the off. white chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that seems, that seems to fit somehow. Gene, it's okay. We can have cookies and and cereal milk together and, and everything. Yeah. <laughs> there's a reason there's a cookie crisp and not an oatmeal yeah. raising crisp cereal. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, but no, my favorite cookie, white chocolate macadamia nut. Oh. Very specific, but very good. My mother used to get those from Mrs. Fields. And they Duh. were good. Oh, yeah. yes. In the mall. Do you remember going to the mall? Yes. And just like a little bag of cookies? After no, I stopped by the, the Orange Julius. Annie yes. Ann's. <laughs> Annie Ann's for life. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, Dippin' Dots. Oh, Dippin' Dots. A taste of the future. Yeah, exactly. There we go. Clearly not. Clearly not. Clearly not. I screamed the old-fashioned way. Oh, my God. On that note, Jean, thank yeah. you so much for coming on the show. Pizza Girl, if you don't own it, oh my God, thank you for get this me. book in your life. You obviously won't regret it. And um, we adore you. We'll talk to you soon. And we Thanks can't so wait for this basketball book. <laughs> bye, guys. Bye. Bye. And that'll do it for this week's episode of Free Cookies. Go you get your pizza, put some pickles on them. It is going to be one of the smartest things you have ever done. You can support the show at patreon.com slash free cookies. You got to go watch, obviously, Espresso Road to Hell on F&B Radio on Instagram, or if you go to either Catherine's page or my page or Free Cookies page, you will see the links to it so you can go find it and a big thank you to those of you who have been supporting our show through apple podcast who have taken the time to rate and review it and if you haven't that really means a ton to us but i want to give a big thank you to susan carva to a a n a marie e wait, wait wait how many people was that a that's one person so 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 say her name it's again a a n it might be a a anna a A N A Marie E. <laughs> we love you. You've been so supportive. She made our she made our peach galette. Oh, that's oh, that's right. I yes. remember seeing photos A-A-Anna of that on Instagram. Anna Marie E. It's fun to say your name. Um, and a big shout out to Haley Renee and to Rolaf. Rolaf, you're the best. And E Keeper fifty six seventy. Well, wait, do we have that many new reviews this week? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Well, listen, if you're listening and you're like, I have never rated or reviewed this show, but if I do, they'll give me a shout out at the end of the show. That could be you next week. If you go and you rate the show and you review. I mean, Kate, you should know that Haley Renee thinks that chocolate chip is greater than oatmeal raisin. Did she use the greater than symbol? Yes. Or did she actually type out greater than? No, greater than symbol. Well, listen, Haley, 
Joe Osment. <laughs> we thank you for your five-star review. You can like whatever Kate gets too fired up. You want if you give us and you a five stars and you review the show. But I'm gonna have to deal with the repercussions once the record button turns off. Listen. <laughs> That's right. I'm not gonna say anything because I wanna support. Kate's the gonna go write a skit me. about it, you guys. Yeah. Look for it soon. Greater than. Starring Ashi. Guess who's greater than. Alright, we should probably let the show fade to oblivion now. Should we let it go to dark? Slow, slow fade to dark. Turn on the ghost light. <laughs>